some holy bread. Grab your coffee and your Bible. Today's Tuesday, hallelujah. It's the 16th day or 15th day, excuse me, of November. This year is moving to a close. And this is Daybreak Live. All right, good morning. So Miss Sarah got up late and her throat is scratchy. She said she can't sing. So well, she's sitting over there on the couch. Because we had to sing this weekend, so she has to get better. <laughs> We're going to sing... Oh, what's the name of this? I don't even know. Jesus. Jesus.
banjo. Oh, that that would have been, been great. You know, you should be bringing your banjo and playing some. But then he can't play your mandolin. Well, I know. I'm that was a ukulele. That's not a mandolin. I'm just saying. Good morning, guys. Surely I'm not too learn. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I was noticing. I know that you guys noticed, but I was noticing the was playing the little intro this morning. Boy, the kitchen used to look very different, didn't it? It looks very different now. All right. See who's on here. All right, wonderful family. Thank you for being here. And I want to thank you guys for helping us. We are going to be able to get transportation for Brother Nadine. Thanks to all of you. You know, some of you sent a little and said, I know it's not much. It's not the amount. It's the heart. Church Without Walls, we, we really hold close to Paul saying that the part of the body that has more should share with the part of the body that has less. And uh, that is a main focus of Church Without Walls. Matter of fact, we focus on it so much that uh, we want our sp we, we spend our money on that rather than, uh, you know, big, big buildings and things like that. So thank you for you guys' partnering with us to do that. And it is going to be a blessing, and he is going to be ecstatic. And if he's on here, you're getting something to ride around in. You might even get a little car. We got we we went we had we got more than we thought. So praise the Lord. We're in the book of Revelation. We're in the book of Revelation this morning. We're in chapter 14. We learned some things last week. One of the things. Uh, that we learned as when the beast system rises, we must remember Revelation is an anti-Roman book. It is written while they are under the Roman Empire being persecuted. It is specifically written while they are being persecuted by the Roman emperors. Uh, Domitian is doing the persecution at this time, I believe. But there's persecution from Roman emperors. It is an anti-Roman book. Uh, John himself is writing this, being banished to the island of Patmos for the word of God and for his testimony. And so it is a book that's written in tribulation. It's written in trouble. And so there's signals in it. And this book is to alert Christians from then. And as I've said a hundred times, the book must make sense to the people that's receiving it in that day. And God is so brilliant, it makes sense to us. And it even will make sense if we're the end time generation. If we're not the end time generation, it's going to make sense to the end time generation as well. And in every age for the Christian that holds this book, he is blessed. If he reads it, he is blessed. If he holds the things that are written therein, because it, huh? Blessed is he that hears the words that are written in this book. Great is his reward because God gives us strength by this book to show us that there is an enemy that is at odds with us and we are always to stand against him and be faithful if we are called to it, be faithful unto death whatever that looks like in whatever part of the world that we live in. 
We learned last week that the image of the beast, you know, you know, I was just studying some history again over the weekend. And after the crucifixion of Jesus, like 40 AD, you know, statues, images were brought into the synagogues and they were placed in the synagogues and people were commanded to bow down and worship these images of the Roman emperors. And so all of this makes beautiful sense for every generation is what I'm trying to say. And it even, for and like I said, I'm a futurist, so I believe it has its ultimate, most dominating fulfillment at the very end. That is to say, at the end time, here's what we learn. The enemy of God, the enemy of the descendants of God, the believers in Jesus, the enemy will cause people to pledge allegiance and devotion unto him, to bow down to the image that he sets up. He will require worship. And there will be some way that people are marked to whether they will worship him or they will reject him. And the Lord gave us this teaching that he causes all to receive this mark. And whatever the mark is, we know what it means. And therefore, we never bow down to the image. And, and here's what we learned also. We must not bow down for money's sake. We must not bow down for participating in the economy's sake. We are called to, to live for the Lord and do what's right regardless of what comes against us. Amen. Because the, the wicked one is against us. He is the puppet. I call him the sock puppet of Satan himself. And then we got into chapter 14 on verse Friday. Uh, chapter 14 on Friday, verses 1 and 2, we seen, we saw that he looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. And we talked about this a little bit. We remember back in, was it chapter 7, that it says that he sealed 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. I believe this is the same group. Okay, 12,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, people that I greatly, greatly admire and respect believe that this number is symbolic, that it is a symbolic number talking about the bringing in of the uh, seed of Israel. I definitely believe, for sure I believe, that it is a fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, Jacob had 12 sons, and this is a fulfillment of the promise. There's no doubt to my mind that that is the truth. And it may be, like I said, the many people that I respect believe this is a symbolic number. So it could be a symbolic, symbolic number representing the uh, people that are saved in Israel. It could be. Uh, I lean, and I'm going to say I lean, and I'm not saying I lean hard. I would not argue the fact with anybody because uh, 
like I said, when we're in the book of Revelation, there's a lot of views. But it seems when we read this, it's gonna, it seems to me that it points to an actual group that God calls for a specific purpose. And even seems that they're men. So everything about it would be symbolic as well if the group and if the number is symbolic. And like I said, I'm not saying it's not. A lot of people smarter than me believe it is. I'm simply saying, let's read it here again. When he sees them written in Mount Zion, so this isn't somewhere else in the world, it's in Mount Zion, they have the Father's name written on their foreheads. That is to say that they belong to God and nothing's going to change them. They are sealed with the Lord's seal. Then he said, I heard the voice I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters. Now, let's stop and think about that. Get, in, get that in your mind. What, have you ever heard many waters running? I, I kind of get the thought of like waterfalls or just waters running over rocks. You know, I immediately go up to the chimneys. And uh, Lisa and I, there's this park up there at the chimneys that we would go and sit at and just listen to the water run. The voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. We know what loud thunder sounds like. So get that in your mind. Here's what he's, here's what he's hearing. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. Now this is a little harder for us because we know what a harp sounds like, but we don't hear it a lot anymore. That's, that's kind of a, that's a sound we don't know that much of harpists, plural, playing their harps. So there's harps playing. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne. Last week we sung, I want to sing a song for you, Lord. We love to sing, and singing songs is a way we express love, joy, devotion. We express it through songs. Well, as I've shared with you, this is a, what's, what's those movies that have singing throughout it? Well, musical. Yeah, this is a musical. The book of Revelation is a musical. Over and over and over, it's like, okay, and, and they burst out into song. So here they go. They sing. A new song. Now it says, before the four living creatures, we talked about them already, and the elders, we talked about them already. And no one can learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. Nobody else. This is their song. It's like, no, that's my song. This is my song I'm singing. Nobody else can learn that song. This is for them to sing. Makes me think specific group. I'm just kind of giving you some ideas how, how it hits in my mind. They were redeemed from the earth. Verse 4, these are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Now, not defiled with women is not saying that it would be a defilement for somebody to be married. But you know that defilement with women, even in the days that we're living in, like like you could say right now, it would be a very amazing thing to find some men that's not defiled with women with pornography, fornication, some sort of defilement throughout their life, right? 
I mean, when I was growing up, it was just expected. Yeah, that's, that's what guys do, what men do, right? Well, these 144 were not defiled with women, and it's not, like I said, it's not saying marriage is a defilement. What it's speaking of is their purity. It is saying that the, these guys, they are devoted to the Lamb, totally devoted, and they're living pure before God. Now, the reason last week I said I called them 144,000 Apostle Pauls. Back in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says in verse 6 and 7, he says, But I say, oh. Yeah, but I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. Verse 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that manner. So Paul says, I wish, I wish you guys, now, because of the present distress, Paul is writing that. It wasn't to be a statute for everybody, nor was it to be thought that people are more holy if they're not married. This kind of entered into the church, and it was not true. Uh, but he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 in the context, because of the present distress, they were under persecution. They were going through a lot at that time. And he says, I think it would be best if you just remained unmarried. And he goes on to say, because you have to care for your wife, but yet if you're not married, or the wife has to care for her husband, yet... If you're not married, you can devote totally to the Lord. But then he even says, I'm saying this by concession or permission, not by commandment. This is not a commandment from the Lord. And the Apostle Paul was saying, you know, and here's how I was taking it. Sometimes when you're in the midst of great persecution, there are times when it's better that you don't get married for the sake of serving Jesus. Well, what we're reading in the book of Revelation is a time of great persecution. It's what we call the Great Tribulation. Another place I want to turn and look at, Jesus speaking on this. This is Matthew chapter 19, verse 11. Now, he says this because Jesus talks about how strict God is with marriage. And they end up saying, in verse 10, the people listening, they said, well, if, if what you're saying is right, uh, it's better not to marry. And Jesus says, and I'm in Matthew 19, verse 11, Jesus said, but he said unto them, all cannot accept this saying, but only to those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb. And there are eunuchs who made who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. So, Jesus says, you know, some, in their day, people were made eunuchs by men, right? Some were born eunuchs. They were just born that way, okay? Some were made eunuchs, but then he says there's the third category. Some make themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God or for the kingdom of heaven's sake. 
And I think that's what Paul was saying for the time period that he was in uh, because of the present distress that he was saying in 1 Corinthians. And now when we get to Revelation chapter 14, I think because when God seals these 144,000 in their foreheads, they make themselves eunuchs, or that's what it seems to be to me. It says, these are the ones that are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Now, here's another thing. Some people just spiritualize this, and they just say they're just pure. It just means that they're pure. And some people believe they're married as well. Uh, I tend to look at them as not married myself. Tell me what you think. Write what you think in, the, in here. I'd like to hear what you think. But here is the important thing. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. In their mouth was found no deceit. That makes me think of uh, Philip. Was it Philip? No. Nathaniel. Nathaniel, yeah. Nathaniel. Jesus says, Nathaniel, truly, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. There was no deceit in him. Jesus said that of Nathaniel. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Mighty, 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 mighty people of God. Hallelujah. Or people of a mighty God. All right. Praise the Lord. They have a lot to do uh, with the end time proclamations. So tomorrow we'll take up with verse 6. The proclamations of the three angels. The messages of the three angels. So that's, that's pretty interesting. So I'd love to read your comments. Let me know what you think about the 144,000. Did you, did you learn something that you've never thought of before? Have you, did you see something you never thought before? Uh, what do you think they represent? And uh, thank you for being with me here. Thank you for studying with me as we go through this wonderful book of Revelation. It's an amazing book. And you guys that are sticking with me here in daybreak, we're going to get through every verse of this Bible. I mean, every verse of the book of Revelation. And we may not have it all nailed down exactly what everything means, but the grand, the, the, the meaning, the message, the thrust, we get it. We get it. Amen? We get it. So thank you for being here. So let's end with prayer. We'll say the Lord's Prayer together. And, I, and tomorrow we may start, maybe if you'll remind me, we may open every morning saying the Shema and then close with the Lord's Prayer. Anyway, let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. God is good.
Praise the Lord. All right. I look forward to reading your comments throughout this day. Be blessed. Bye. See you tomorrow.